Welcome to the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Smelser. The Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast is the shared journey of building a real estate investment property business from square one. Join me as we learn together how to conquer the real estate game to reach financial freedom. Together, we will learn from people in all areas of real estate and business in our personal trek towards escaping the rat race. Be you. Do the work you love. Play the long game. What's up, folks? Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Daily Real Estate Investor Podcast. Today, I'm releasing the episode with Matt Faircloth. Matt Faircloth wrote the book, Raising Private Capital, and has been investing in multifamily and other commercial assets. And we're going to dive into how you can raise private capital and leverage private capital to build your portfolio as well. Uh, on a personal note, I'm excited. This week is the last week that the kids are doing virtual learning from home and they're about to head back to school next week, full time. Uh, praise God. We've gotten through this, uh, this working from home, trying to access classes on computers and at working half the time thing. Uh, been very appreciative of their teachers. Their teachers have been rock stars and really done an amazing job throughout this whole process. So I've, I've really, um, admired the teachers that have been, been involved in all this chaos. And it's actually been a lot of fun spending time with my girls here at home when they've been here. Um, they're doing two days on three days home right now. And, um, yeah, they're about to get back to school. So, uh, it's going to open things up for me. And, um, I'm working on a multifamily new construction deal. So uh, that's pretty exciting. And uh, I will bring more details on that as it materializes. Fingers crossed. Hopefully it does. But it's a, it would be by far the biggest project I've ever worked on. So I'm really hoping that works out. Still bumping along doing appraisals. Um, got my, passed my broker exam in the state of Tennessee. About to have my active broker license in Tennessee. Already have my active broker license in Alabama. So making, making some progress and I'm excited about the things we're going to have going on in Tennessee as well. And I wanted to mention before we dive in, if any of you are looking for coaching or consulting, I've started offering that on a limited basis. Um, I've been doing monthly or even hourly sessions and trust me, they are by far much less expensive and much more affordable than a lot of these gurus are offering that I've checked in with. I had one guy trying to sell me uh, coaching for a thousand dollars an hour. Another one wanted 20 grand, uh, for his program. Um, so it is not cheap out there, but I am much more affordable than that. And if you're working on a, a deal or a project or trying to get your strategy together and you think I could help you just shoot me a, a direct message on Instagram or shoot me an email at josiahsmelser at gmail.com. That's J-O-S-I-A-H-S-M-E-L-S-E-R at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to talk with you about what we could get set up to help you uh, reach your goals in your real estate investing business. All right. Without further ado, let's dive. Oh, by the way, uh, Megan Greathouse co-hosted this episode with me. She's my co-host on Multifamily Mavericks, and so you're going to hear her in here as well. And uh, enjoy Matt calling me Yesiah 
the whole time. I guess I've been called worse, <laughs> um, but uh, it's kind of funny. Um, but anyway, let's dive into this Matt Faircloth episode. It is so good to be here with all of you and today with Matt Faircloth. We are so excited to have him. If you don't know who he is yet, I'm a little bit surprised. He is so active in this space. He's all over bigger pockets. He has some awesome books, including one of my favorites, Raising Private Capital. So we're so excited to talk to him today. Matt, thank you for being with us. Oh, Megan, the Asaya, such an awesome, awesome. Thank you for having me here. And and uh, that was a very nice plug on the beginning, too. I appreciate that. <laughs> I yeah. read this book. I actually just read this book like four or five weeks ago, I think. First of all, I went through it so quickly. It is such an easy book to read. Like you can really, you just take away so much from it and it has a lot of highlights and notes too. So yeah. totally full of amazing well, I'm nuggets I'm now required from people. by BiggerPockets.com to ask you to please write a review on Amazon. Now. I really <laughs> Thank you. That's I need to know. I think listening. I already did. I should yeah. go double check. I, I'm sure yeah. I meant to. <laughs> well, well, please do because it, it's Definitely. something that I'd love to have people do. So if anybody else listening read it and would like to do that too, it, it is my personal mission to get up to a thousand reviews for that book. Uh, I don't think that it does much for us, but it's just, it's just really cool to see that many people that think the world of it. And there's already, you know, over a hundred reviews on it there on Amazon. Um, you know, they're all favorable yeah. too. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So please do. Um, well, yeah, but it was, and I'm grateful that you enjoyed it. It was most of the time it was fun writing. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't realize time. writing a book was going to be a second job. When, when bigger pockets is like, you want to write a book? I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll write a book. <laughs> how hard could that be? I'll do it on the weekend. It's hard, man. Uh, I'm book. sure. I yeah. am sure. Well, There's and it, it's a, it's a perfect book to bring up for our audience too, because you know, we're multifamily mavericks. Josiah and I are both investors who have been in, you know, single families or two to four families and want to scale bigger. And I think a lot of our, our listeners are in the same place. They're, they're trying to get there and raising capital. It's a huge piece of that. Mm -hmm. So your book is so perfect for this mm -hmm. audience. So Thank we you. are excited and happy to share it. Um, and and maybe for those who don't know about you, because despite what I said earlier, there I'm sure are some people <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, my name is Matt. I'm, I'm uh, lucky enough to be married to an awesome human being named Liz. And so we are kind of the Matt and Liz of the real estate space. And she has her uh, podcast called The Real Estate Invest Her Show uh, that's out there preaching uh, wealth for women and, and just financial independence. Uh, and the journey of the uh, real estate investing female, which is very different than the journey of the real, real estate investing male is what mm -hmm. it is. Um, and so she broadcasts that and is, is a big support for that. So that's, I cannot help but plug my wife's, you know, my, my wife's uh, ventures that she's up to. Um, we've been full-time real estate investing since 2005, so 15 years uh, been involved in all kinds of different cool stuff like single family homes and fix and flips and um, value add apartment buildings and office complexes and stuff like that. So we've done um, all kinds of deals uh, and, and been exposed to all kinds of different kinds of real estate and a recession too. So we've seen a lot in our years. And so uh, it's been a joy contributing through my YouTube channel and through Bigger Pockets because I've learned a lot. And when I first got started, there was no bigger pockets. There was no YouTube. There was, I mean, there was no nothing for folks to go to and learn about the space. And so one of the joys I have is helping people learn some of the things that I had to learn the hard way, you know, um, that uh, help people learn uh, how to do this space, because I think that it's very important for us to learn how to build wealth for ourselves and build wealth with people in our network. Uh, through alternative means. Uh, it's up to us to get wealthy. It's Your financial planner's not going to get you wealthy. Wall Street's not going to get you wealthy on their own. And unless you try really hard in those spaces, you need to 
personally take action to build your own personal net worth and um, and for those around you. And you can, that's what's great about raising private capital and great about real estate investing is if you learn how to position this thing properly, not only will you achieve your wealth goals to buy apartment buildings and to become a awesome landlord and you know um, li- live, a, live a wonderful life, uh, you can also create uh, financial stability for those around you. Um, you know, my, my, my mother, my mama lives, uh, part, part of the income she receives is from real estate investments that she has with us. Um, I'm proud to say that, that I'm able to create that for my mother who's retired, uh, widowed and, you know, and, and that's, I'm able to create that for her through my business. And that's the biggest thing that I think other people can learn as well is how to do this too. And so I'm who I am is a big advocate for wealth building through real estate for yourself and for others. I love that. And you're in the right place because we're looking to learn how to do yeah. these multifamily deals. So, <laughs> got Meg, you. Yeah, got you, Me- bring it. Yeah. Me- so Megan and I both have portfolios of one to four family. Yep. Like I've, you know, I've got 20 of them myself. I'm, I was formerly uh, the multifamily specialist on my appraisal team when I worked at CBRE, run my own appraisal oh, wow. business now. Yeah. And I did that because I wanted to own apartments one day and I feel like I've, made the steps to get to this point now wanting to dive into this. That's one reason we started this podcast is Megan and I both wanted to move into owning multifamily. We wanted to learn from people like you and Liz and all these other people doing deals in the multifamily space. So we're excited about this. Another thing I'm pumped about is the fact that you wrote this book on raising private capital because private capital is such a big part of doing multifamily deals, you know, in the, in the one to four family space, you can kind of, you can, you can do it a number of ways, right? You can use private capital, which once I started using private capital in my one to four family deals, my momentum just exploded. But on the, on the multifamily deals, you know, these are massive deals, millions of dollars, and it's very unlikely you've got all that money yourself, right? So let's talk, let's talk through for someone that's just getting into this, why they need private capital, why they need to learn how to manage this piece of the whole of the whole game. Well, you're, I mean, it's real simple to your point. Um, you know, you're only going to get but so big without without private capital. I mean, unless unless you are a lottery winner or a, you know, trust fund baby or, or something like that with an unlimited amount of money to put to work in, in your business, you will at some point either run out of your own capital or you're going to end up with all your money at work in your business and a great deal is going to show up. So if you don't know how to raise money, you will either miss out on a great deal or you're going to stunt your own growth um, in that. And, and every investor I know either works with debt or works with equity with OPM, right? Um, and, and I think that it kind of gets, it's, it gets a bad connotation because some of the shysters that are out there in this industry, but my book tells you how to not do that, how to not be a shyster. Uh, and how to be an ethical uh, real estate investor and ethical capital, um, uh, capital, you know, uh, what is it? What is the word I use? Um, uh, deal provider, you know, how to be, how to use a deal provider. And as I talk about raising private capital ethically uh, and that, so that's, that's really what it's all about, you know, and I think you're only going to get, but so far with, with, uh, with your own money or, and then now you can start with friends and family, start, start super local, you know? Yeah. I love that. So mm-hmm. let, let's talk about how you got started in multifamily, because it seems like, I mean, this is, this is where I am right now. I'm looking at deals constantly, putting in LOIs, building my team, connecting with investors, the whole thing all at once. Right. Um, and there's, there's this, 
chasm between one to four family investing and multifamily, it seems that you got to get across, right? How did you get your first deal done? Oh, let's see. First one was we had done, um, uh, I talk about a lot of this in the book, but I, I did like, let's see, we named our, we have named our funds. Um, each one that that's come up, you know, and we get real creative. We just put a number on them. You know, <laughs> my company's a DeRosa group says so DeRosa capital or whatever. And so there, we didn't know there was going to be a DeRosa capital two when we did the first one. So it was not DeRosa capital one, but by the time we figured out that we had a pretty good track going, we did DeRosa capital four. DeRosa capital, what you could call one through three, we're just small little smattering, single family, some debt, some equity blended together, bought a couple, you know, little uh, infill houses, renovated them, leased them out, Burr strategy with investors um, in that. So that was all well and good. Jurassic Capital 4, we had built a little bit of track record with a few groups of investors. Um, and uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to get featured in this. Um, a buddy of mine has a local wholesaler and personal real estate investor magazine called him and said, hey, we'd like to feature you and a few of your friends in personal race. We'd want to write an article about you in personal real estate investor magazine. This is like 2012, I think. And so he didn't know what to do with that. He was like, what do I do? And so he called me and he's like, hey, I need you to take, get interviewed by this magazine. And I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'll do it. So I get interviewed by personal race, real estate investor magazine on how why Trenton's amazing and this and that. And this group of doctors reads it that magazine and they call me saying, Hey, we'd like to, we saw you were featured in this magazine. We'd love to, and, I, and it blinded me. And I really wasn't hundred percent sure. So I went down and met with them and, and they were in South Jersey and I had a face to face with them. And I was like, okay, what do you guys want? Like, let's, let's figure out what kind of returns you guys want. We were able to put the work, what you're able to do. And we just figured out together with our investors sitting down over a coffee. Actually, this guy, he's got a finished basement. So I sat in his finished basement movie theater, God bless him, in his movie theater. I sat at the front of the screen and him and his doctor guys sat in the little, uh, in a little, in his, in his home theater swank out thing. Right. Um, and we just talked it out. What do you guys want? Well, we're looking for this kind of return. We have this or whatever. And so me and these doctors and the people from Grossi Capital one, two, and three, that were really ready to re-up again, got together and we came up with $300,000. And, um, you know, for a getting started capital raiser, that is a significant amount of capital. Um, you get to the point where it's, that's just a drop in the bucket compared to where you want to get. Uh, we're currently raising DeRosa Capital 11, you know, uh, right now, which is a 336 unit in North Carolina. And, you know, I'm super grateful to have 300K, but it just moves the needle a little bit. But I recommend to your listeners, you just start small. Do not go out there and try and buy a hundred unit apartment building. Don't, don't do it. I don't care what guru that's going to make you run to the back of the room and pay him, pay you 15 grand to take their <laughs> weekend program tells you to do that. No, don't do that. We bought with that 300,000, we bought two, four families, uh, no, a four family and a five and a five family, believe it or not. Um, and did a burr strategy renovation on them then refinance and pull the 300 grand back out and bought a 10 unit, right? So with that money, we did two burrs and then a and then bought a, a 10 unit apartment building. And we still have, that was 2013. I still have all three of those properties with those investors, right? Wow. Um, yeah, and, uh, and that. So that was our first like reasonable multi-deal. And to your point is that, yeah, there's a big space between four 
to five, six, seven. But what you got to do is you got to find the, the beat up bird five, six, seven unit property. And they're out there, you know, because a lot of properties like that are owned by mom and pops. Um, they're not owned by, you know, people that have like corporate level mentality that are going to come in and systematize properties. Um, and that, so that's my recommendation start that size and then, you know, increase. Yeah. And I, I think there's so much, so much in what no, you just fine. talked about. That was I'm amazing. No, in a I'm really a good way. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. In yeah. a great way. Um, I mean, you talk about kind of this idea. I think there's a lot of folks who have this kind of maybe to a fault, go bigger, go home mentality, you know, like Josiah and I have talked about this, you know, between ourselves and with some other guests too, you know, some people say that if you're not going for 150 units or more, is it even worth it? Well, yeah, it's worth it because there are steps you need to take between point A. Yeah. Right. Between point A and point still green. L, right. Yeah. That you need to cover. You need to figure that out. Yeah. So I like what you're saying here about, you know, take the steps you need to, if, if you can't find a, you know, 100 unit, then start with a 20 unit or a 10 unit or a six unit, like anything that gets you into that space that's above the two and four families, you're getting yeah. into multifamily and you're working your way up. I also like how you talked about someone came to you and was like, Hey, be interviewed for a magazine. And you were like, um, Okay. You know, you, you just say yes. And that's huge. Cause I think that's something that I've done and Josiah has done. You know, I went on the bigger pockets podcast and then, and I got to chat with you, Matt on, on your Facebook live. And then I was introduced to Josiah through someone who heard me on the bigger pockets podcast. And then we started chatting and then this and podcast, you know, you know so at, yeah. it's amazing what just saying yes to some of those things can do Not saying you, you say yes know. to everything, but networking. Yeah, this is for anybody. I think that this that you never know when the spotlight's going to shine on you, you know, um, and, and that we all get our 15 minutes and you need to be prepared for it when it comes. And so if you are listening to the show, and I'm sure you guys do, but if someone if one of your listeners is listening to the show and they want to expand into multi and you don't have a website and you done and if you're still running around sending people business emails from your Gmail account. Right. Um, and if you're yeah, you have business cards these days, really, but if you don't have some sort of a means for folks to easily get a hold of you with an easy funnel, you know, not crazy funnel, just an easy thing like, hey, you're interested in talking to me? Sure, here's the book an appointment, right? It doesn't have to be to be super wacky, but like honestly, you like Liz and I got a call on a Sunday that somebody or whoever had canceled on Monday. For the Bigger Pockets podcast is the first show that we went on. We went on, we were on show number eighty-eight. Those are for, we've, I've been on it three times, but my first time was show number eighty-eight, and we got a less than twenty-four hour notice to go on the show, and we're like, yeah, we'll do it, whatever. <laughs> and so we 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 just took the, took a, that opportunity up, and and you know, and it opened up a lot of doors for us. And I'm not saying that all y'all that are listening need to get put on the Bigger Pockets podcast per se, but at some point spotlights do catch people and i've seen the spotlight catch people like i had a friend that went on a bigger pockets podcast won't say his or her name um but they didn't have much going on they didn't have like a website or any means to track them down and so it wasn't as like if you can't find somebody you're going to move on and do something else you know um yeah. and that's it's important to build your systems because you never know absolutely you and know? you you need to be you know Josiah and I have talked about this as well. When it comes to raising capital, going back to that topic, 
you need to be working on that networking for a long time. You don't find a deal, put in an LOI and then, you know, oh, in a month I'll magically come up with all the money that I need for this. It's a long process and it actually starts Mm -hmm. far ahead of when you actually find a deal. So I think what you're saying makes so much sense. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to take advantage of the spotlight when it comes your way. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. I also, I'd like to talk with you about, because you've been doing this, like you said, about 15 years, you've been through some market cycles. You know, I think Josiah and I have both been in this, you know, more recently, and we feel like we're in this market where, you know, it's it's been a little tough, a little crazy lately. And we are both working hard, looking for these deals. I'm curious to see what your take is on on finding the deals. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen it from all sorts of different perspectives. What are you seeing right now? I think we live in two worlds right now. We've got, you know, the, the agents and the sellers that are acting like this thing didn't even happen and, and that are that are acting like we're not in a pullback economy now and that they're, you know, eh, COVID doesn't blow over, you know, it'll be over next week. Um, and they're, they're trying to give us, you know, I call them February prices um, mm-hmm. and, and that. So uh, there's that. And then unfortunately, not, not fortunately for us as buyers, it's still super cheap to get money. And so uh, aggressively on our side, like financing is still really, really attractive. So those are some good, some good things for us. But, you know, it, it, you've got to find the, the, the sellers that we found that have been very willing to work with us have been folks that wanted to sell before COVID, right? Mm. You can't, uh, you can't sell, you buy from someone who was probably going to sell and just going to test the market and make sure they can get a 4% cap rate or see if they can get, you know, double their money on the property or whatever. Those sellers are out there. And unfortunately, because there's plenty of stupid money in the space, there's still, there's still a lot of stupid money out there that's willing to pay whatever they, whatever they can for things. Um, and that, we, that doesn't have to be us. It doesn't have to be any of us or any of your listeners, right? The, what you got to do is find the distressed owner that was stressed beforehand. Um, and it may require some cold calling. Um, may require uh, just working with brokers and, and kind of consistently nibbling at deals or something like that. Because if you see the signs of distress, meaning like lower occupancy, um, you know, property's been on the market a few times or something like that. Uh, the property we're buying in Winston-Salem was under contract once in February, fell out because mm-hmm. of COVID and is now under contract with us for a much lower price. Um, and that's so. We're, we're, we're lucky to, to have found this person that really needed to sell. They're not stressed, but they just need to get out from under this property so they can execute their business plan somewhere else. So you got to find, it'd be, you got to be okay to say no to deals because you're going to have a lot of stupid money and stupid prices out there. But every here and again, the deal will work. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell, do you mind telling us you, that one's in Winston-Salem. Yes. You are, I think you said you live in Pennsylvania. Your I office do. is in New Jersey. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about how you found that particular deal? We've been shopping. We um, well, that's the thing, and this goes for anybody looking to find multi. Um, you got to find a market first. Don't look for the deal. I mean, the first thing you want to do is look for the money. Find find folks that will back you and that think you're awesome because you're you, um, and uh, and that that want to just invest with you for whatever you do. Right. That's the first thing you got to do. The second thing you got to do is, and this you do this in tandem because you can talk to those money folks about like, I'm going to buy in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's I'm going to find a property there. And that's my market. Not just <laughs> I'm going to find an apartment building anywhere in the continental United States. You don't want to say that because uh, that's not going to work. You're, you're going to spin the roulette wheel, right? 
you got to find a market that you're going to shop and parachute into. And this right here, this is going to be my market, you know? And so a year ago, we started shopping Winston-Salem. And um, one of my partners went down there and took a lot of brokers out for coffee, drank a lot of coffee that week, I think, and, just, <laughs> uh, and then looked at a lot of deals and looked at, talked to a lot of property managers. But really, the intention was to just expand our network as a company into the Winston-Salem marketplace because we chose Winston a, lot time, a long time before we found this deal. Then you start shopping for deals. Then you stay on brokers marketplaces and everything like that. So that's how you find good deals. And this deal came up. It recognized, we recognized it immediately as a distressed owner and then somebody who needed some, who was going to need someone that knew how to renovate a big apartment complex come in. And that was us. So it was just a good fit. But after bidding a lot of deals and a lot of coffee with brokers and a lot of boots on the ground, this, this one showed up and it just made sense for us. Wow. I like that. Find the, the money or the investors, find the then money, find the market, market and find the deal. Then find the deal. Yeah. And I don't know, you know, as you say that it makes sense, but I don't know how many of us have thought about it that way. And in that, mm-hmm. in that order, Josiah, what would you say about that? Have you been thinking through it that way? I mean, you know, doing, doing my other podcast has, uh, as, as the podcast has been going on for a while, it's almost two years now. I'm having people approach me with money, keeping track of that. I'm always trying to find deals to put their money in and I'm not wanting to, I'm really not wanting to go buy single families with that money. Just too many transactions, too much inertia. I've already got what I want with that. So I've been trying to approach it. It's kind of organically happening this way where I've, the private capital is organically occurring because of the podcast, the social media. And, um, and then I'm looking in my local market and looking in the other place that I own single families so I'm I'm honestly kind of trying to go about it this way. Now I'm just trying to find the deal and we're putting LOIs in it so competitive and it feels like like you're saying Matt there's people just overpaying for stuff and like I I haven't done a lot of these deals. I'm I'm working with um a key principal who has but I mean we're making competitive offers and getting outbid and it's I know it's a numbers game. I know it's just a, a matter of time if you keep at it. But I'm also amazed. I'm also amazed from an appraiser's yeah, from an appraiser's perspective, just looking at the cap rates um, and the risky assumptions that are being made. It's wild. It is. How big are you shopping? I mean, I'm looking at everything from you know small twenty unit deals all the way up to you know sixty seventy units. Okay. Okay. Um, I here's a method that's worked uh, for a mutual friend of ours uh, for Sterling White. You know, yep. Sterling's bought, like, if you guys haven't had him on the show, you should. Um, Sterling's I actually bought, talked like, with him the other day about coming on. You know, <laughs> yeah. He's bought like five or 600 units and not a one time used a broker. You know, right. like he's been able wow. to to do direct seller marketing um, in that it, for, for properties and kind of taught me his equation. Um, but it's really brilliant. And I think that you're going to see a lot of mom and pop, smaller operators that might be willing to work with you direct or more on that 20, 30, 40 unit size. Um and that was why I was asking you what um, what size you were shopping mm-hmm. at. Uh, when you get bigger, you get into this best and final stuff and LOI, yeah. and, you know, and best and final, best and final, final. And what market are you in? <laughs> I'm in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Secrets out about that place. Huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you may want to try uh, the, like if I if it were me, it's it's not me, it's you, but. If, uh, if, if I were shopping Huntsville, I probably would look for the spillover city that, that it's going to get the wave of Huntsville. 
that probably not Huntsville downtown because you're dealing with, there's already institutional buyers pushing into Huntsville. Oh, for I mean, sure. Already, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Huntsville's already in the paper. So, yeah. you know, by that time that happens, forget it. You know, yep. so <laughs> I would look for the tertiary markets around Huntsville. Yep. Um, you know, I've heard Birmingham, there's still some places to look, you know, it's because it's a bigger, it's a way bigger city than Huntsville is. Um, but from what I heard, there's cranes all over Birmingham too, you know? Oh, there is. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Birmingham, so, there's more opportunity, not more opportunity. There's, there's more deals, um, in Birmingham right now to be had than in Huntsville. Cause it's just a bidding war here. But to your point, that was the advice of, of the KP that I've been working with. Look at these tertiary markets right around Huntsville. And I've been looking there. It's crazy though. It's just, um, and I've, I've been approaching people off market. Like I built a little team out. We've been contacting up to a hundred off market owners a day for the last month. And we're kicking up some stuff here and there, but it's a lot of, a lot of owners that realize that the market's extremely hot. Their properties are stabilized. They've got a waiting list and they realize this, that values are going up quickly because they're holding in areas that are really great markets. And so, they're Forget not really it. motivated to sell. <laughs> so. why, to me, I don't get why I'm chasing. I'm not going to chase a market like that. Right, exactly. Personally. Um, I, that's why I'm in Winston-Salem and not Raleigh. And that's why I'm in Winston-Salem and not Charlotte. I love that. Um, we already we already own in Fayetteville, which is another another major city in North Carolina, yep. but it's not the hot, sexy city. It's not, it's not. ooh, it's Raleigh, Research Triangle. Oh, you're near Chapel Hill. You can lease to Duke students. No, we're not <laughs> doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm leasing to the military family from from uh, from Fayetteville because they're arguably arguably more stable, you know. And yeah, they don't make you know 110 thousand a year uh, and everything like that blended between husband and wife, um, but they make plenty of money and and they and they can't pay maybe they can't pay 1,200 dollars a month, but they can surely pay seven, you know. Yeah. Um. So the, the the all the economies drop down in tertiary markets, and so that's where we've made our living since we've got started is in secondary tertiary cities, because I find you have a higher rental population there. Um, there's that. a lower barrier that. to entry and it's not, I mean, honestly, look at it. If some, if you are bidding a deal in Huntsville along with some other big names that you and I have both heard of or something like that, and you and your KB decide to, to, to become the, you know, the, the highest bidder, ha look what you won. You've really the person, you're really the person that's agreeing to make the least amount of money you know, uh, in a big bidding war like that, you're like, yeah. Oh, cause you can't control the market. Right. You know, right. you can only hope to participate in it. You know, that's yeah. it. You can't, you can raise rents, but only, but so far you can't make your rents in Huntsville four grand a door. You can't, right. You know, it's only Huntsville's only going to pay, but so much. So you can bring your mark, your rents up to market. And that means that your property value will be at market. And so if those things are variables, you can't control, then the only thing you can control are keeping costs down and things like that. But really what you're doing is when you're chasing big markets that everybody's pushing into, you're really chasing how little of money am I willing to make on to be in that market? That's a really right? great point. That's a really yes. great, I love that point. Um, because yeah, I mean, it, when you go into a hyper competitive, like I would call it red ocean, right? There's a lot of blood in the water. Everybody's killing each other, <laughs> trying to get the meat, right? Uh, you got that, or you can go blue ocean, go to the tertiary markets where these guys aren't fighting over the deals and you yeah. can make a really good living off that. And that's what you guys have done, which is smart. There's um, buyers, there's buyers in those tertiary markets. Don't get me wrong. It's not like just, oh, sure. you know, low hanging fruit everywhere. I'm just like plucking deals off a tree. Right. And the only <laughs> sure. bought, there's 23 bidders on it, but 
the cap rates weren't stupid, right. you know, and, and the fear I have about some of these properties where the cap rates are stupid because I've seen offering memorandums from these companies, these deals don't make any cash flow. They right. don't, they don't make any cash flow in year one, year two, and you know, God willing, and the Creek don't rise, we're going to refinance it in year two. And then we're going to give investors lots of money back, I think. And then that, then the ROI is going to go up and then we're going to sell it in year five, you know, and, I, I just, I don't want to play the cap rate game because that's what's going. That's what's happening there is you're saying, okay, I'm going to squeeze rents up 50 bucks and hopefully I can get these tenants to pay me maybe another 50 for this or a freaking trash valet service or something stupid like that to have people <laughs> to squeeze 80 bucks a door out of this property. And on a four and a half percent cap rate, which is probably what you're playing at right now in Huntsville. If I'm, if at that cap rate, that 80 bucks makes me worth a lot more, Right. There's a lot of ifs in there. You heard me just say, right? And that, and um, and I've even heard already that some tenants are pushing back on the the stupid, like you know, there's a water fee and a trash con, a trash valet and a you know pet park fee or whatever other kind of fee you want to charge tenants. At some point, we're going to hit the roof, you yep. know, on on how much tenants are going to be willing to do that. I'd rather do a deal that's performing at a six cap or a six and a half cap that cash, you know. Something wacky that I remember before this big run up, properties used to just cash flow when you bought them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, yeah. what? Crazy thing like wait, that, money. wait, that used to happen in multifamily? Are you it serious, did. Matt? Yeah, I wish I could it experience I got, that. I got, a, I got a 49 unit that's an ATM out in, uh, out in Pennsylvania that we bought at the right price. And it is a phenomenal property and it, it can be done. You don't have to just wait to sell it. You know, to make to make a, a bigger bump and find a bigger idiot than yourself that's willing to buy it from you <laughs> five years from now, right? So, and what we're talking about here, folks, as yeah. he he talks about, you know, you're just bidding up to be the person who makes the least money. The term is winner's curse, right? If you've heard that, if you've been <laughs> business school or or whatever, you know, I remember that from business school. The winner's curse. You got to keep that in your mind because I think a lot of people. Um, we want to do things. If you're you're in this space, you're probably a doer and you want to take action and do things. Yeah. But, you can push yourself too too far too fast and the fault to that winner's curse, fall prey to that winner's curse, especially in a market like this. So I'm glad we're having this conversation because Matt, it sounds like you are, you know, you have some options. You don't just have to fall prey to the winner's curse. You can change your strategy. You can change your market. You can slow down a little bit, keep buying, but maybe not buy as much. I mean, there's, there are a lot of different things that you can still be doing but doing differently. I mean, do you feel like you've got other things besides the tertiary markets that you're going after to, to work through this market right now? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the other side of it. And I'll, I'll play. I love that winner's curse. I'm probably going to totally steal that, but um, it's not mine. You can use it. (laughs) Okay. All right. We're not saying that. It's all, it's public information, right? Um, Okay. The, uh, the, the, the real like truth of the winner's curse thing that you said really goes into me answering your question about what else we're doing is people put buying an apartment building on such a pedestal that they don't think about what happens after they own it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, I'll just buy an apartment building. And it's like an ATM that spits out million dollar bills, right? That's what it does. It just <laughs> makes me lots of money and I can be financially free and I can live on the beach if I buy an apartment building. It, it seems like that's the mentality out there. And that's kind of what's being preached sometimes by these folks. But that is about about you know about as far from the truth as, as, as you could be, right? The, the truth of the matter is, it's once you close an apartment building, the work has only started, you know? Um, and you're really not going to be, you're going to be working a minimum wage for a while because your investors are going to be getting paid first. 
you know, and you might make a little bit of a penance asset management fee or something like that. That might be enough to just keep your lights on or something like that. But you're not going to be rolling in it or making like significant income for yourself until that property reaches a performance metric, you know, until it reaches performance. And so asset management is imperatively important in today's market. It's, it was important before COVID, but let's all say that appreciation kind of washed out a lot of sins, right? And that you could be a really crummy owner and, and, sell, and, and sell your property for, you know, like a large percentage more than what you bought it for just because the market's just doing Looney Tune time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so asset management becomes extremely important now and effectively keeping expenses down, keeping rents up to market, keeping your property manager in a headlock and making sure that they do what it is they're supposed to do on a daily basis, chasing collections, you know, even during COVID, because people can do and make money to pay rent. They, they can make money to earn, uh, to pay the rent, even if evictions or moratoriums and things like that, you know, we still, in states that I have, they're still on a moratorium, we're still collecting, you know, and there's just methods you have to implement to do it. So, Really, we've tightened up our AM game really, really heavy during COVID. And I think that if you want to be successful in multifamily, if you avoid the winner's curse, you know, by becoming like the, the biggest idiot to pay the most for this property, if you <laughs> pick the right deal, pick the right market and buy at a number that makes sense, right? And then AM it the right way, you're going to win. You are. Um, because, uh, you know, with, with, with the right management, you can get through a recession. Uh, you might have to work with tenants a little bit. Maybe your projections to your investors might have to tweak a little bit, but I'd rather see you do that than become the highest bidder on a market where you're not hundred percent sure what's going to happen after closing, you know, um, yes. like yep. that's, that's the, I'd rather be in the not as hot and sexy market with a better AM plan than in the primo central universe wondering what do I do now after I close, you know? Yes, a hundred percent. And I think that mentality and just those fundamentals are things that when everything seems crazy and exciting and sexy, you need to to bring it back to the fundamentals and make sure you're not getting too carried away. Um, Matt, it is so much fun talking to you. And I feel like we are already like time has just flown. I would love before we wrap up to just maybe hear a couple things about your newest deal and kind of what your plans sure. are for that. If you don't mind sharing, maybe some I of the good time too. I, I, Perfect. I, 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 your listeners, I will turn myself into your listeners. I was late to your show and I feel awful about <laughs> it and all that. So I have all yours, man. Um, sure. Yeah. It's, it's DeRosa Capital 11. It's a, and I've given you guys a lot of the fundamentals on how we got to it. Right. So um, it's not our first, second, third or fourth deal. It's something we slowly grew up into. Um, it's a market that we researched and, and pushed in on and, and really wanted to be in um, and, and aggressively pursued, and that's Winston-Salem. Um, we have certain fundamentals we, al- we evaluate markets on, um, you know, it, 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 so it's just certain factors. And some of the factors are true in Winston-Salem that you'll find in even hotter markets. It's just the public hasn't, seen, hasn't figured it out yet. So if you look at demographic data and stats, you can see the next, you can find the next Huntsville, the next Charlotte, the next Raleigh by looking at demographics. And we looked at um, Winston-Salem and it's showing all the demographics that a lot of of those other cities are. It's just, it hasn't made the headlines yet. So we like that. Um, And, uh, you know, Josiah had a perfect analogy for uh, cities to buy in. If the city you're looking at has a major league baseball team, I don't want it. If they have a minor league baseball team, I do. You know, I go off of major league. I go off of major league baseball. I like that. If they don't have a baseball team at all, they're not big enough. Wow, that's cool. That's so funny because they just put a minor league team 
in the city next to Huntsville. Yeah. Uh, which which perfectly lines up with what you're saying. So there you go. Uh, Shop it, man. Don't, yeah. don't say the name of the city. No, I'm not going to say it's, <laughs> the name of the city is uh, St. Louis. Uh, hey, 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 there. Go there, go there. Yeah. We got the Cardinals. We're already out. <laughs> okay. So, so this is um. So th- this is the deal. It's a 336 unit complex, which is honestly, I'll say it. It's a big stretch for us. We don't own anything in near that size. Our, our our uh, next largest unit below that one will be a 222-unit apartment complex, but we're super excited about it. We're ready for it, um, you know. And then we're we're in the middle of a big capital raise of of assembling all of our equity for the deal, um, and uh, and now we're uh, we're super pumped to be uh, you know to be in the, to be you know raising. And my asset manager's there now. Uh, he's at the property. It just so happens, uh, meeting with our new property manager that we're hiring, and um, and that's it. So it, it's um. It's, it, there's a lot of running around that happens up until closing, but then um, once you're there, uh, the, the, the up till closing time, I find that that's where a lot of people are doing different things. Like I'm uh, busy raising capital. My asset manager is busy implementing the business plan and lining up his little ducks to where the first day of closing, he can get in and do what he wants to do uh, and that. So we've kind of built our team out to where we can do different things. The thing that makes me the most excited about the deal is that it's large enough that you can do a significant study called a cost segregation analysis. So we're providing an enormous negative number on investors K1s from a tax perspective. So they're going to earn money and so they're going to they're going to make a check, they're going to they're going to make a profit, but they're also going to be able to show an enormous like a, with a capital E loss um, that they that they're able to show in their K1 because of the magic of cost segregation studies. Uh, which is really just leveraging the magic of depreciation. I love it. We just had yeah. Yona Weiss on our podcast, and that episode yeah. came out today. So we yeah. took a deep dive into cost segregation. That's one of my favorite yeah. things about investing in large commercial deals. That's who we're using. We're yeah. hiring him. That's Yona's awesome. Yes. Small world. Yeah, he's done, <laughs> he's done a few deals for me already. I mean, he's. We had one deal where uh, he got us a write-off of twenty percent of the building value year one. Wow. That's crazy. You're one. You're able That's to provide incredible. a well, $1.4 million write-off first year. That's amazing. That's incredible. This, I fell out of my chair. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my, CPA, my CPA calls me up and he's like, hey, um, this guy's coming back with this really, really high number. And I was like, yeah, that's that's how this works. I did kind of educate. But, you know, my, my CPA is a great guy, but he hasn't done many, that many cost eggs. So I might yeah. have to educate him um in that but it's a phenomenal tool and it's a great way to provide tax leverage to investors and that's the biggest thing that you could tout when you're talking to folks investing with cash is i can give you tax leverage absolutely income tax favorability here so if if someone wants to get in touch with you on potentially investing with you how do they find you well, uh, this deal is accredited only, uh, and that's so that's why it's awesome that I can just sit here and just talk right about it. Because if, <laughs> if it wasn't accredited only, this would be a solicitation, but it's not um, because it's only for accredited investors. So I can talk about it all I want. Um, you can just go to drosagroup.com forward slash invest uh, and hear more about it there. Um, and if there are folks that want to learn more about how to do their own multifamily deals, they can just join our insiders community by going to drosagroup.com forward slash insiders. It's very affordable. You spend more on coffee than you do on insiders per month. It's it's very affordable program that allows people to get an inside day-to-day look at the inside of our company. Um, my asset managers in North Carolina right now probably shooting a live video for our insiders community for folks to folks just pick our brain and hear what we're up to on a daily basis cool. and kind of sit us a fly on the wall as we do deals and that. So that's awesome. way, 
forward slash insiders or forward slash investor or invest. Very cool. Well, we're yeah. going to transition into our question that we ask every guest. Bring it uh, on. We did not give give you this up front, so this is putting you on the spot. I already know what you're going to say to this this question. Though, but <laughs> we'll, we'll give it to you anyway. I have a hunch as well. <laughs> yeah. All right, Matt. If I were to hand you a check for ten million bucks, <laughs> on top of you getting to liquidate all your real estate assets right now and take that profit. But you have to walk away from real estate for the rest of your life. No more podcasts, no more books, no more buying deals. Would you Would you do it or not? Oh man! Wow. <laughs> ten million so plus ten million plus your asset equity right now to walk away. To walk out with that. No more real estate for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't come back to it. Couldn't come back to it. Your book would still be selling, but no more, no more real yeah. estate deals. Man, you're sorry. That's a tough question, you know, um, because you made the number big enough to be uh, to be a serious. Uh, but let me tell you, let me. T- so I'm probably surprised you because um, I love what I do uh, and that. But um, there's also a bigger why in in it and and that. Um, and I don't know if you can read it. I, I, this is even a video for this podcast. But it says below the DeRosa Group, it says to transform lives through real estate right? That is why I do what I do. Not because I make lots of money doing what I do, not because what I do is, is lucrative or whatever it is, but because I want to make a difference in the world, you know? And I, love that. I probably would take it because I know I could go forth and carry on that mission. You know, um, maybe I have to, if, if, if you're really going to make me cross out the through, through real estate part at the end, <laughs> I would just stick to just transforming lives and making the world a better place through, but through the actions that I am, that I do on a day-to-day basis. So That's I awesome. probably would because I know the work that I could do with it, Yeah, you know, um, and that because, and I'm not saying real estate's a means to an end, um, but it's something I enjoy doing, but it's something that I'm able to kind of be on that mission while I'm doing it. But I would, if I can be on that mission doing something else with that much wind behind my sails, yeah, I would do it. Sweet. Is that what you guys thought I, I was going to say? I thought no, you would say no. <laughs> I thought you would say no. I thought you'd say no. But, but it makes total sense. You guys, yeah. if you go to to Matt and his wife Liz's uh, website, derosagroup.com, because I was looking around, of course, they, you've got like learn about us, invest with us, and then like give with us. Yep. You've got a section on your website about giving back and helping. So it completely makes sense. We donate a percentage of our company income. Not after investors get paid, we we donate a percentage of what our company makes uh, to all kinds of different uh, resources and stuff like that. So we uh, we're not we're a for profit with a conscience um, in that. But thank you. Um, I I see you guys uh, twittering already. Faircloth sells out. (laughs) Faircloth to liquidate. Contact him immediately. Yeah. Right. Right. He's out. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. Matt, my, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for the very same reason. Like, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's financial freedom, there's time with family, and then there's a whole nother layer, which is the giving back and none of us live forever. So this is kind of how I view me being able to make an impact on the world. And that's why I'm working so hard to get this part of it going, because I believe if you do this right, like you guys are doing it, it you will experience tremendous success with it. And then you can in turn help a lot of people, right. And make a difference yeah. in the world. Yes, so, you can. You I can. That's that. what it's all about. I mean, I've had many people that are like, Hey, I want to buy a multifamily. And I'm like, why? Well, cause I want to make money. No, stop. Yeah. Stop right there. I can <laughs> tell you I've made a lot of money. Money is not the answer. M- right. Money, money. I promise you, once you make it, even if you don't have it right now, once you have it, it's not the end all be all. It, it's, it's, it, it's like a, the, you, you end up kind of wanting to fill the hole. If you're, if you're all about money, there's never going to be enough, you know, 
uh, it's, it's always going to be one more dollar. You know, yeah. if your life goal is about accumulating as much money as you can, it's got to be a deeper, a deeper than that. Yep. It's like Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey said something along the lines of, I wish everybody could become famous so they could see that it's, it's not the answer, you know, yeah. something like that. It's like sure. money being famous. None of that stuff's no. going to really make you happy. You got to be, you got to have a bigger and better why than that. You got to have a deeper cut than yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's about it's making a cool, difference. Not the goal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for what we've made, but I also um, put it to work, you know, uh, and that, and, and it's, you're right. It's a vehicle. So mm-hmm. I, I think I talk it. about that. Yeah. Well, Matt, this has been awesome. I uh, wish we could do yeah, this for man. another hour. We'll have to have you back on our show three times or even four. So we can outdo bigger pockets. Um, yes. yeah, we'd love to have you back sometime. Um, let's stay connected. I'd love to help you in any way I can. I love your mission and your, sure. your why. So I'm, I'm behind you 100%. We, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, man. Thank you, Saya. Thank you, uh, Megan. It's been an honor to be here. I'm happy to come back whenever you guys want me. Thank Absolutely. you, Matt. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please connect with me on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor or via email at josiasmelser at gmail.com. My new book titled Dream It and Build It, How to Crush Your Real Estate Investing Goals is out. You can get it either in digital or physical format on Amazon. Once you've read the book, please leave me a review. Tune in next time for another episode of The Daily Real Estate Investor as we both join in our financial freedom journey. 